98% of those people have an accidental story of how they got into this business, right? Very few people studied this in college for one and wanted to do it for number two. And I still think, I think it's great that there are some growing up promo type people like those of us that are on the phone here and Teresa, but I still think that people will continue to accidentally find their way to this industry just the way all of us did. And so the future is very exciting. You know, it was a hard decision to make, but we actually really started just doing a lot of self-promo, you know, sending out summer care packages, knowing that budgets are frozen, people aren't buying. But honestly, it was just such a hard time and I wanted to do something. And I just thought, you know, well, this is what I do. And who wouldn't love to get a fun little summer care package? When things did come back, people remembered that. Hey everyone, I'm Amanda Delaney, and with me as always is our fabulous Promo Kitchen co-chair and chef, Kate Plummer. We are so excited to be sitting down today with a very good friend of mine, Teresa Mazzullo. She is the owner of Performa Big Ideas in Tampa, Florida, to hear her growing up promo story. And joining her today is her father, Greg Mazzullo, the founder of the distributor powerhouse that is Performa. Welcome, you guys. We're so excited you're here. Thank you so much, Amanda. We really appreciate it. Good to be with you. Thank you, Teresa. I know a little bit of your story, obviously, but I love what you've done. And Greg, I know of Performa. I'm so glad that you could join. And I just wanted to jump in and start with you and let people who may not know how Performa started. How did you start? How did you get the idea to do this full time and turn it into the business it is today? Well, I'll try to be brief. So I graduated from college, went into accounting. And I love studying it and I hated doing it. And a buddy of mine worked for a distributor and he liked the business, but didn't like his boss. And we sort of figured out within six months of graduating from college, we thought we could do this business ourselves. I knew accounting, he knew sales. So within six months, we decided to start this company called Proforma. We each put in a hundred bucks, bought a phone answering machine and business cards and started knocking on doors. That was in 1978. And then by 1985, a number of things had happened. We made the ink list of fastest growing companies three years in a row. And we were trying to expand to another city outside of Cleveland, Ohio, where I started the company. And through some challenges with hiring a sales manager in another town, I came up with the concept of franchising, thinking, you know, maybe other people want to own their own business, but would want to be empowered with the tools and the resources and programs of an existing company. So that was in 1985, 1986. I think Teresa might have been one or two then. So, And then the rest is history. We had hundreds of wonderful people on the support staff, great owners, and great suppliers who have been a part of this wonderful journey, driving us to over half a billion dollars in sales and helping lots of people's dreams come true. It's been a great run. I love that the power that you have built with the franchises, it's incredible. So congratulations. Teresa, what were your early childhood memories of Romo? Did you know what your dad did for a living growing up Romo? What did that look like for you and how did it bring you here? Yeah. So, I mean, just from a very young age, I think what I remember, I guess, early on is just going into the office, visiting you know, my dad at his office, there was bring your daughter to work day. So my sisters and I, we would just go in. And that was, you know, the original pro forma office. And 
it's funny because whenever I do factory tours, you know, at like hit promo, there's kind of this nostalgic smell. And I think that sounds funny, but like I go back in the warehouse and there's some sort of just smell to the printers and process that just bring back really good memories for me growing up, visiting my dad at the office. And at that time there was a warehouse, you know, and then as we got a little bit older, we would attend Proforma conventions and those were always so much fun. It was July, August timeframe. So right before school and we would just, you know, run around the supplier showcase and it was like trick-or-treating for pens and notepads. So (laughs) as we got older, we would engage more with the suppliers. And so it's just become very natural for me, I guess, as an adult, you know, just talking with suppliers at this point. And then even in high school days, we would intern at the support center. So helping to prepare for the convention. So it's just nice how every age has had its different fun moments. And we've been able to kind of just grow up in different stages throughout all of it. And then you went to college and ended up moving to New York, right? So you didn't get out of high school and go work for your dad. You went to college, you were going to do your own thing. What did that look like? What were you going to be when you grew up before you were going to be a performance owner? Yeah, so I had, you know, never really thought about performa. I think there was always this, you know, just go out into the world, pave your own path. And if you learn some things along the way and come back and want to be a part of performa, that's great. But go out into the world, let the world teach you some lessons. And then, you know, when you want to come back, you have something to bring to the table, which was great because I really didn't think I wanted to be a part of Proforma. I think along the way, I want to pave my own path. So when everybody's going left, I just want to go right and see what's down that path. And I wanted to be a marine biologist. And I can't imagine my dad what that sounds like, but you know, he's so supportive and says, okay, let's go visit, you know, every school that does marine biology and see what's (laughs) going to be the best fit. So we went and we looked at, you know, a bunch of schools and I wanted to be a marine biologist. (laughs) You took a hard distributorship there. (laughs) Yeah. And life teaches you lessons. And I learned that that's a little bit more of a hobby and and not as much what I wanted to be. And so I eventually changed my major to finance. And yeah, so I got a job in finance in New York. And again, I can't imagine what that would be like your daughter saying she's moving to New York City. And, you know, but he's just been so supportive and so proud, you know, of of everything along the way. So that's just been really nice to have family that's so supportive of every step you take. Greg, what was that like when Teresa said, I'm going to go do finance in New York City? Well, I was excited for her, right? I mean, she's her own person. She's always been a very independent and smart young lady, even through grade school, even before then, putting up with her older sister. (laughs) But that's a different story for a day. But whatever journey they are on, I'm very supportive. And I was very excited. Her grandmother, my mother's from the Bronx, and I think that New York City is a great place to probably experience as a younger person, not necessarily raise a family. So 
I was excited for her when she wanted to be a marine biologist. I was excited for her when she wanted to get into finance. I was excited for her when she eventually came to pro forma. But most important of all, I'm confident in her ability to excel at whatever she chooses and proud of her for all of the great things she's accomplished, not just with pro forma, but also just in her life and in her schooling and in her other careers. I love that. So Teresa, what brought you back from New York? You know, it was always so nice because it just seemed like there were a lot of different opportunities to still be involved, I guess. So when I was in college, there was ASI Orlando and I'd pop over and say hi at ASI Orlando and we'd, you know, walk the trade show and, you know, that was always fun. And when I was in New York, that's when my dad and Vera won Power Couple and there was a dinner, you know, I was living in New York. So I got to pop over and go to a nice awards dinner to celebrate them. So it's just nice along the way that there's always been something there. But I was living in New Orleans at the time, and I wasn't sure after finance what my next step was going to be. And my brother, he was the one who was like, you know what, you would be really good at Proforma. Like, why don't you start your own franchise? And, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, no, like, I'm not a salesperson. That stigma of a salesperson. I just didn't see myself like that. And I was like, no, it's not like that. You know, you're always good at what you do. Like you would be amazing. Just give it a shot. And so I did. I was like, okay, like I'm gonna do this. You know, why not? Let's try it. And actually in my first full year of Proforma, I did 1.2 million dollars in sales. So after that I was like, you know, I think this is gonna work out. <laughs> I think I'm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, having the support of my family and encouraging me to do this. It was amazing. So Greg, having Teresa come over to Performa, you are a very supportive parent, obviously, and sort of everything that she's capable of doing. What was your thoughts when she moved to be a franchisee at Performa? Were you just kind of like run away as fast as you can? Were you like, perfect, I'm going to survey everything you do? Or were you just like, fly away, little bird, you've got this? (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm a very hands-off manager, and I think as Teresa and the other children together, Vera and I have 10 children, I think I'm also a pretty hands-off parent. Like, as the children graduate from college, if they want my advice, I'm happy to give it. If they want my help, I'm happy to help. But I don't think I'm a helicopter parent. I mean, Teresa might have a different opinion, but I, I just always knew because I know the stigma of what does it mean to be a salesperson is a bad thing, you know, that checkered coat kind of a sense. And really just smart people that can ask good questions really are the people who excel in this business. And I knew Teresa had that. I knew she was very smart. I knew she could ask great questions and the rest of it follows. That's amazing. And Teresa, moving into Performa, and I don't know all of your story here, so it's really just curiosity. When you came in, were you just kind of like, I know how the back end works. I've seen the cogs of all of this. And did you feel like you were entering as a cog in the machine or were you just like, watch it. I'm going to blow you all out of the water because you have the franchise aspect of it, but it is a massive umbrella of a company. What was your stance on it, knowing how the back end worked? I really went in not knowing anything. I mean, I know what a pen is and I know what a t-shirt is, but I don't know. You've never had to buy a pen. I really (laughs) have only been involved in helping to plan meetings and events, but you know, I didn't know any of the back end. And so I think that for me, the hardest part 
I put a lot of pressure on myself. When I want to do something, I'm going to do it right and I'm going to do it perfect. And being a business owner, I think is the opposite of that. And that's, I think, where my dad really helped for me to get over that. It's more about progress, not perfection. So, you know, just get started, you know, try new things. Even when you don't have like a perfect roadmap planned ahead, just get started make mistakes, learn from your mistakes, and keep going. And Teresa, I know that you are very much the, like you said earlier, people go left and you want to go right. And I know you're very much a pave my own path. You want to pave your own path. And you're more of a, a shower, not a teller, the opposite of me. I like to talk big about everything I've got going on. And then you just do these big things. And it's been cool to watch for sure. But what was that like coming in, like building this business from zero but having the support of Performa and your family and other family members that are now a part of it, what was that like? You mentioned the stigma of a salesperson and I 1 million percent get that. What was it like coming in to work, well, for your father, but not at all for your father? Do you feel like it made things more difficult for you? Do you feel like you had to work harder to prove yourself? What's that been like? I've always felt, you know, the need to prove myself and just to go above and beyond. But, you know, when you work hard, I think the success follows and people see that you're doing a good job. And so I think I had some insecurities initially about kind of my success. But, you know, I just was I was talking to some other pro forma owners about the situation. And I remember just having a conversation about and I think anybody in this industry would understand this, that a lot of us get business through relationships, through friends, through family, and someone could make an assumption that, you know, you may have gotten that business, you know, through family. So I remember another pro forma owner telling me, you know, it's easy to get a first order, but if you don't do a good job, you're certainly not going to get the second order. So, you know, I just think everyone in our industry can understand that, that you can get an intro or an interview or a first order based on a relationship that you have, but ultimately you're the one that needs to show up and to prove yourself. And that's how you keep the business and that's how you grow the business. Yeah, absolutely. What does your business look like now? How did you guys handle everything that happened last year, the year that we do not speak of? What does performing big ideas look like now? Yeah, so with COVID, you know, that was scary. That was very scary. I think initially I just, I just froze, you know, orders were being put on hold, orders were being canceled. You know, it was just a very scary time. And then, you know, I remember the Proforma Support Center, they started talking about PPE, about masks and, you know, bringing in PPE. So I think that you know, just the support center engaging those conversations and how they spearheaded a lot of the the PPE helped me to keep going and helped me have conversations with clients and prospects about PPE. And I knew that, again, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it the right way. And especially with PPE, I think the importance of, you know, now we're talking about masks and life-saving items. And so to me, knowing that if we're going to do something, it's being done the right way. And 
you know, having the faith in our support center to do that. But, you know, there's a much bigger story there. So, you know, dad, if you want to share kind of for you guys, like, you know, how you made that decision to do that. Clearly, we, like many other organizations, realized we needed a pivot. And we did. And it was clearly a very important part of last year for us and for you. We did the right thing. It would be such a big change in your perspective on business, too, is sort of going from, I'm thinking about merchandise and everything else, to I'm thinking about, are these masks safe? And something on the scale of your own business to the scale of Performa and the oversight that it kind of gave. From both of your perspectives, what did you find as the biggest struggle through it? Greg, you probably saw it from a high level view, obviously. And Teresa, I love what you said about knowing that I could trust my support team, knowing that we had, you were with the company that you knew and trusted. So you knew that they were handling it. And obviously they were saying, hey, we're going to go into this direction and talking about masks before you probably even knew what free play really meant, right? So I think that's amazing. and says a lot about the format as a whole. But yeah, Greg, what did that kind of look like? You have now all of these owners who are also freezing. I think we all froze in that moment coming essentially to you for a solution. How did you know what was the right thing to do? Well, clearly there was a whole lot more than PPE that was a part of this. In addition, I think we must have had 300 webinars last year just to keep our owners motivated, to keep them educated. Because even if businesses were off last year because of COVID, 60 or 70%, we also sell printing and packaging. And actually businesses spend $9 on printing and packaging for every dollar they spend on promo. And so we have a much broader product mix we already brought to the marketplace. And so even if businesses were off 60 to 70% in a $250 billion market, that would still mean businesses were buying $100 to $125 billion of everything that we sold. And so the challenge for us was to help our owners also go find out who are the businesses that are open for business, what were the things they were buying, and who were the people who were buying it? And we had good gravy, I don't know, several scores of webinars just alone with the suppliers talking about what's selling and who's buying it right now. So in addition to PPE, which clearly had some challenges, finding the right source of supply that was reliable, but it also had some real excitement and helping frontline workers be able to be equipped to do a critical job that needed to be done at the time when there was some critical supply, it felt really good also just doing the right thing for the frontline workers. So a great combination of pivoting ourselves and helping our owners stay motivated, educated, informed, and positive because so much of what happened last year could have knocked people on their butts. And I saw a whole lot of people posting and it really bothered me a great deal posting about, I might as well put together another puzzle, or I'm going to take up whatever, reading another book, or I'm going to binge watch on Netflix. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? There's still business out there. Let's go get it. And so that was what we saw was our job to keep our people motivated, educated, and pointed in the right direction. Love that. Teresa, what did you do in your business? Because I know, like Greg just said, we got to this point where, well, we're just going to sit and wait for it to pass. And then you had the people, obviously, like you guys who are like, hey, there's still business to get. We just need to redirect how we're getting that business. What did you do with your clients? I know that you're not one to 
sit back and wait for anything to just kind of pass over. So what did you do to make it through that year and still stay relevant when businesses did open back up? After the initial shock and just unknownness of everything, what we did is we just started reaching out to clients, checking in on clients, and not just checking in in the normal sense, but just, you know, how are you doing? And it really allowed for a deeper level of connection with the clients that we were reaching out to. And it humanized people in a sense, you know, there was just a very genuine caring, I think that a lot of people were seeing. And so we were just staying in touch with our clients. And then also, you know, it was a hard decision to make, but we actually really started just doing a lot of self-promo, you know, sending out summer care packages, knowing that budgets are frozen, people aren't buying. But honestly, it was just such a hard time and I wanted to do something. And I just thought, you know, well, this is what I do. And who wouldn't love to get a fun little summer care package? When things did come back, people remembered that. And, you know, we had stayed in touch. We were on the forefront of their minds, you know, when they were ready to order again. That's amazing. So to kind of sidetrack back to the family. So you have 10. So Greg, you have 10 kids. (laughs) Well, it's a collection of his, hers, and ours. And I had five originally, including Teresa, who's a twin. And Vera had three. We both went through divorces and met each other. And then together we had two. And Teresa is the only one that's an owner in the business currently independent affiliate owner, but four of her siblings are in the business today and three of their spouses and or fiancés are in the business. So in addition to Teresa, there are seven other family members. And with Teresa, that makes eight family members in addition to Vera and me. So it's really cool to be working with this next generation. We have one of our, and I don't want to detract from Teresa because this is all about Teresa and I'm super uber proud and love Teresa. But like one of our sons that's in the business and on the technology team, we have about 70, I think, people on the technology team down here in Tampa, but he's leading the way in the development of artificial intelligence in our proprietary business operating system for helping to drive and identify opportunities for sales and profitability growth through the implementation of artificial intelligence. So it's really cool to see what this next generation is overall doing. That's so fascinating. And like such a large group of you too. What happens at family dinners? Are you not involved or just like, I don't want to hear another thing about a pet? No, you know, I think Jeff Bezos said it right. It's not really about work-life balance. It's about work-life harmony. And if everything that you do in life you love then it all harmonizes together. And I think in our discussions, we naturally flow in and out of the business. And I think they just harmonize. We talk about kids and life and business, and it's all just a harmony of just great shared experience. Tree, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's been amazing. And there are still times that when they start talking about technology, I have no idea you know, what they're starting. I can't even make up the, it sounds like another language that they're speaking. It goes right over my head, but I love that, you know, we all have our different strengths and I could never do 
you know, what they do. And so I love that there is a place and role for everybody where they can, you know, really use their strengths and that we're all, you know, kind of working in different areas, but on the overall for the same company and the same goals. So it's, you know, specifically I get, you know, as an owner, they can kind of tap in and say, okay, well, how does this affect you, you know, as an owner? And, you know, that's kind of how we get to work together. And so every once in a while, I get to buzz them and say, you know, we get to talk about a part of, you know, the technology platform and share different programs, like what's going well, or what I didn't like. And you can just have like those real conversations with each other and help in the long run, it helps us do our jobs better, but also it helps the company as a whole. And I know my dad and I have been able to do that as well. We'll sit down and we'll just be talking at lunch. And, you know, if I'm struggling with something, I'm like, oh, I'm trying to hire, you know, sales reps and I'm just really struggling with that. And then we'll talk about it. And sometimes it even turns into a program that gets rolled out to the whole company. So it's nice that we're able to bounce ideas off of each other, really to just better everybody. Yeah, you're given a lot of real insight into people being family and then adding to it of being on the same wavelength for work. So that's really cool. Yeah, Teresa's our little test kitchen. I know, I know we like, because everybody else works in the business, right? Teresa's the only one that's an owner. So I know Vanessa loves talking to her about appointment setting or vendor campaigns. And I know that most of the other family is in the technology team and they like talking about the company stores or pop-up stores or all that other sort of stuff. And so I think poor Teresa gets bombarded sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, we all get to help each other without really working you know, next to each other, or one is someone's boss or something like that. It's nice that there's just a synergy between all of our relationships and we can work together. Each role supports each other's role and you guys can work in tandem without working, like you said, side by side, which is pretty incredible. And then Greg, you said it's so cool to see the future generation, right? So we think about that all the time. What's the future of promo look like? What is the future of this industry look like? And how do we bring more people into this industry that didn't fall into it like so many of us seem to kind of fall into it? Teresa, what are your thoughts on the future of promo and what you do from your experience of growing up in the business and not necessarily wanting to get into it and then realizing you are pretty good at it and so you're going to do it. And what are your thoughts just kind of on overall? What can we do collectively to help the industry move forward? It's tough for me to think years out, especially with what has happened. But what I do think when we're talking about my memories growing up, I remember going to the trade shows and the trick-or-treating for pens and notepads. And (laughs) I can't wait until we can do trade shows again. And I'm excited to share those memories with my nephews and to take them around to trade shows. And so, you know, I just have a huge appreciation also to the suppliers who were so kind to us when we took their pen and notepad samples and just knowing that they may not have known how far the power of that promotional product went. And one day, you know, I would be a distributor buying pens from them one day. So that's all I can really think about is it brings enjoyment to me seeing other kids get to experience that and one day being able to take, you know, my nephews through the trade show and 
how they're going to be the next generation of all of this. I'm very bullish on the future of our industry for people that are solutions providers. Remember, at Perform, we sell a broader array of products, commercial printing, custom packaging, and promotional items. And we've invested over $20 million in our technology platform to enable our folks, our owners, and their sales reps to be solutions providers. I do worry for people who are just product peddlers. Hey, what do you got for me to quote on today? Because I think that their future is quite challenged. But I think people that are solutions providers and selling technology-enabled solutions have a great and long run in this industry. Everything that we sell or most everything we sell is custom printed. And that really keeps us from being in a part number business where any moron could go look on the internet, search a part number and just find that pen or that stapler number. And so I think for people who sell, as I've already said, especially technology-based solutions, the future is brilliant for those people. And I'm excited for the next generation because I think that they're going to actually, with the technology, continue to differentiate. I do think the big will get bigger, those organizations that have superior technology solutions. And I think this industry, people will continue to accidentally find their way into this industry. I probably talked to, I'd say 5,000 people because my role has always been business development with Proforma, whether it's talking with prospective owners or talking with prospective sales reps for those owners. And I think 98% of those people have an accidental story of how they got into this business, right? <laughs> Very few people studied this in college for one and wanted to do it for number two. And I still think, I think it's great that there are some growing up promo type people like those of us that are on the phone here and Teresa, but I still think that people will continue to accidentally find their way to this industry just the way all of us did. And so the future is very exciting. Teresa, you and I have had conversations and you said something that I found to be extremely powerful that you hear here and there, but not the way you said it was just fantastic. So I'd like you to share your story if you don't mind, but you said when the industry wins, we all win. And I'm a big fan of community over competition, right? Collaborations with the community over competition, especially after this past year. But I just loved how you said that. And you talked about things that you've learned from your clients and the overall power of promo and the industry. When the industry wins, we all win. And that ties into the future of promo and how we get there. But what did you mean by that? What are your experiences and seeing out there as you're doing your prospecting and whatnot, kind of those moments that you have where you're like, oh, wait, this is an industry win, even if it's not a perform big ideas win? Yeah, absolutely. So naturally, I'm a very competitive person. So this is actually a, a different mindset for me because I am like, a okay, let's have a race to the end of the street. Okay, ready, set, go. Like, okay, I'm going to do my best to be first. But you know, I have a lot of craft brewery clients and, you know, I just noticed they do a lot of beer collaborations with other breweries. And in my mind, I would say, okay, that's your competitor. Like, why are you collaborating with a competitor? And I had asked them, you know, just about this. And she explained when people visit Tampa, so they're in Tampa. So when people visit Tampa, they visit Tampa because it's, you know, one of the top cities for craft brewery. Rarely do you just go visit a city for one brewery, but because it's, the top city for breweries and, you know, how important it is that they're all doing well. So 
I kind of just applied that to the promo industry. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, you're right. There is so much business out there. It's competitive, but there's so much out there that you can have a small percentage of the market share and still do very, very well. So, you know, when I'm prospecting and I visit a new prospect, my mindset has kind of changed when they tell me they're happy with their current supplier. You know, I just say, I'm really happy to hear that. It means that we're doing our jobs and, you know, the client values the power of promotional products. And, you know, if if someone had a bad experience, they may not just find a new promo person. They may switch to a completely different method of marketing or no marketing at all. So, you know, I just learned from my client that, you know, in our industry, when the industry wins, we all win. And I just think for me, that's really important to remember. I agree with Teresa. Our biggest competition isn't each other. Our biggest competition, if we think about it, is, as Teresa's already built on, it's internet advertising and magazine advertising and newspaper advertising, radio and television advertising, advertising on video games and in apps, et cetera. If we do and continue to do a great job of letting our end user customers know what a great tool and resource promotional products are, uniforms are, direct mail, signs, banners, display, all those sorts of items are, we are in a competition for share of wallet. And so each of us are in our competition. Like Teresa said, when we do a great job as an industry, and if we can win more share of wallet, we grow the industry and we make this industry better for all of us. I love that. That's the perfect note to end this podcast on. So thank you so much to both of you for taking the time and being part of this, the growing up promo of the life where you've never bought a pen in your life. Um, (laughs) So we really appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you guys so much. This was great. Thank you. Thanks for letting us share our story. And I love you, Teresa. (laughs) (laughs) This counts as family time. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.